Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. And joining me is John Fuller. He, of course, the voice of Focus on the Family and our neighbors. And we're heard on KGFT radio right there in in the springs. John Fuller, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Gino, I always enjoy talking to you. You are one of the most knowledgeable people I know about so many different things. And you do a great job of just distilling complex issues of the day and scriptural truths in the ways that we can grab onto it. So thank you for what you do. Well, one of the things that I think is really wonderful, I, I believe since I've become a Christian, that God is the God of hope and that the scriptures are a source of hope. And I know that uh, this marks the resurrection season. And I know that uh, Focus on the Family has some thoughts on this, that John Fuller has some thoughts on this. Tell me uh, what, how you plan to celebrate Resurrection Week this week and Sunday. No, I appreciate that. And I, I got to tell you, I was just talking to my wife. And instead of me just kind of telling you what's going on, let, let me share some of her questions because I okay. thought they were so good. She said, why do we celebrate Christmas with such... Um, such a long, lingering season of Advent and so many different traditions. And why do more of us not celebrate Easter in as big a way or bigger? And and I said, gee, why, why do I take time off at Christmas but not at Easter? Um, why do I struggle to get my head wrapped around the bigger truth? I mean, they're both huge truths. Jesus came to earth. Jesus died and rose again. But it's easier to kind of get festive and fun about Christmas, and I guess I'm answering my own question. Mm-hmm. Easter involves pain. It involves suffering. It's uh, un- unimaginable pain and anguish on the part of the Savior. But I don't, I, I struggle, you know, to really get into the Easter season in a meaningful way unless I dig something up in Scripture that I am not familiar with already. I don't struggle at Christmas the same way. So, Dina, my wife's questions, I think, are pretty penetrating for me, and I've tossed those out. For us, we do actually, as a ministry, take um, Good Friday off. That's that's always been, and we are grateful for that time. It's meant to be kind of a reflective time, and I grew up in a high church setting. Mm. Uh, we don't attend a high church um, you know, denomination anymore, but uh, 12 to 3, I'm going to try to be quiet. I'm going to try to be reflective on what Jesus did. I'm going to try to think through what was it like for the Son of God to go, you know, physically to be placed in a hole in the ground, in a cave, and just to ponder that, because I think we don't quiet our hearts enough. We fill it with all sorts of stuff, and I think I'm going to just really try to dial in this Friday into what those three hours uh, that we commemorate, you know, the, the death and burial of Jesus to be. You know, it's interesting that you grew up in that high church tradition because Easter is the oldest Christian tradition. And I was born in New Orleans, and I, too, was born and raised and educated in a high church tradition. And um, in New Orleans, it began with Mardi Gras, which was called Fat Tuesday, and it led Mm -hmm. up to um, what's traditionally been called Lent. 
and uh, the 40-day period of fasting and repentance uh, culminating in this Holy Week, um, followed by a 50-day Easter season that stretched from Easter to Pentecost. Now, there might be a growing call to maybe, dare I, no pun intended, resurrect that thought. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's where you've just expressed what I've been feeling, which is, you know what, my roots had something that was more significant. And I think in the midst of just having a bunch of kids and working hard and, um, you know, letting life creep in, I've let go of some of those traditions that I kind of want to just grab and, and, and parlay into something that is more meaningful for me this year than it has been in past because, as you know, Easter is the culmination right. of the Christmas story, right? I mean, it's it's the reason Jesus came. Well, and I think about that word joy, which I absolutely love, because in, mm-hmm. in uh, Romans chapter 15, it talks about that our God and that the scriptures are the source of joy and hope. Um, and, and it's been my experience that if you're suffering from joy deficit disorder, hope deficit mm. disorder, that the resurrection really becomes the most powerful explanation of why, of, of why we can give ourselves permission to experience joy. Yes, yes, because the scripture, especially as we read the gospel accounts, I mean, it's all about Jesus and who he was and, you know, um, leading up to his arrest when the Roman soldiers came out. I mean, there was a good number of soldiers that Judas was leading to take Jesus. All Jesus had to say is, who are you looking for? Well, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am. When Jesus said, I am he, they all fell down. They all fell down Mm -hmm. at his word because he is the one who spoke the world into being with the word. He's the one who could walk by a leper and offer healing from a lifelong disease with a word. And with the word, he demonstrated just before he was arrested, I am the son of God. You know who I am, and I'm going with you anyway, because I came for a bigger purpose. And that should give us joy that the Savior was willing to suffer on our behalf, and he knew it all the way to the cross and beyond. By the way, John Fuller, does Focus on the Family have some resources that you'd like to recommend for people who are thinking, praying, meditating, reflecting on on this kind of unusual uh, Easter? I mean, obviously, last year was very painful for so many people. It looks like more and more people will literally be able to go back to church. Any thoughts? Yeah, we do. Um, if you just go to the FocusOnTheFamily.com website, and uh, it's linked there from your page, too, I know, mm-hmm. Gino. If you just plug in Easter, you're going to find all sorts of things. First and foremost, we've got a little online booklet about who Jesus was and how to have salvation in Christ. And last last year, 300,000 people, more than 300,000 wow. people, committed, committed their lives to Christ or dedicated their lives again to Christ as a result of focus. So wow. we want you to see that booklet. We also have a broadcast that um, features Phil Vischer, the guy that created VeggieTales. Yes. Helping you you explain to your kids, uh, younger kids, about what it means for uh, for Jesus to die and be resurrected. And there's even an article online about finding Easter in bunnies and baskets that people might find interesting. 
Yes. And I, I, as I'm, I'm at FocusOnTheFamily.com, and as I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm seeing this headline, we are so encouraged by your desire to put Jesus Christ at the center of your home. It seems to me that most problems are right there. Is my home going to be a Christ-centered home, or is it going to be a child-centered home? Yeah, and I tell you, I'm in the midst of adults raising adults. And, <laughs> um, not every one of them shares all of our beliefs and our values. And so um, my wife and I have had conversations. As they come over, we are going to be unflinching, but we're going to be careful not to be overbearing, if you will. They know. They know where we're at. And so, um, you know, yeah. giving people room for their story to unfold, I think, is important. But back to what you said, we have... We have joy in Jesus. Yeah, we really do have joy and evidence. And John Fuller, when I look at Focus on the Family's website, I see marriage, parenting, and I happen to click on faith. (laughs) And as I clicked on faith, there's an article that's posted, J. John's Word for the Day and um, the Christian Worldview. And it seems to me if ever there was a time to talk about the Christian worldview, it's now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I was having a conversation with a friend late last week, and I said, it, this sounds weird, but I think it's actually going to be easy, and uh, easier at least, to be a follower, a true follower of Jesus in the coming days, because um, the culture is becoming darker and darker. And this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Mm-hmm. The challenge is it's not going to be easier for us because we don't suffer or we don't have hard choices or we don't have pain. It's going to be easier because living counterculturally is just easier and easier as the world slips away. I mean, uh, when I started at Focus 29 years ago, wow. nobody could have convinced me that we would be talking about marriage like it is today. Right. Nobody would have been able to convince me that what's taught in schools would be actually taught in schools. Nobody could convince me that we would start letting five-year-olds determine their gender. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. And it's, if you hold true to the truth, if you, if you hold true to scripture, the truth, um, it's not that hard. It becomes pretty crystal clear. I'm not of this world and I'm, I'm just passing through, but my, my goal is to live for Christ in such a way that people don't say you, but they say, wow, what's that about? So you know, uh, that's the challenge, right? Yeah, it really is the challenge. And one of the, the challenges that we have, as you were talking about what we're facing right now, who would have thought that it would be possible to criminalize the belief, the belief that what the Bible says about any given subject is true? So imagine yeah. you're a Bible-believing Christian and you believe in creation rather than evolution. Imagine you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Imagine you believe that he created the male and female and that there is no such thing as a gender spectrum. But now you lose your job because you don't use preferred pronouns. Do you yeah. imagine that Focus in the Family might have some real challenges this year as we sort through the cultural things that are going on and, and figure out how do we minister in these new circumstances? Well, certainly uh, that is possible. We don't anticipate that, like, you know, anything is imminent. But as large Christian organizations feel the pressure, and I know that Jim wrote about this mm-hmm. um, 
in his blog at Daily Citizen about Bethany Christian Services, the largest uh, Christian adoption organization. Yeah, something near and dear to Jim's heart. And yes, and I'm an adoptive dad. I actually know people there, or did. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at Bethany, great, great organization. But they are now saying no. You know, they're not publicly, but privately, they have to ha- have said, well, marriage is a man and a woman, but we have to provide services to anybody that claims to be married because that's just how it is. They were getting threatened with lawsuits, and and nobody should have to choose between: do I stay true to my principles? Or do I give in or do mm-hmm. I shut down? And I think those are all things that at Focus we have to, and I'm sure that uh, our senior leadership and general counsel are talking through. I think actually the more imminent threat is probably the loss of 50C3 status mm-hmm. uh, to churches and nonprofits like ours mm-hmm. because we aren't politically correct. And then are people going to support us? And eventually it might become you know what? They believe that hateful book, the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, goodness, if Dr. Seuss, if you can't discern the, the times in which Dr. Seuss was written, then how are you going to grapple with the truth of the scripture written over all those years by all those authors and still and, and still see the truth in it as not abhorrent, but accurate and dependable? I, I just sort, I sort of feel like the end game is the Bible, and they're going to shut all of us Christians down if they can, whoever the big they is. I haven't quite figured yeah. out. Well, John Fuller, I know that um, I was reading a Pew Research. It said around two in five Christians, that's 39%, said they plan to attend Easter services in person this year. And that's significantly lower than the 62% who say they normally attend. What is the Fuller family doing this Sunday? (laughs) Okay, this is true confessions, you know. For at least 10 years, we have gone to some friend's cabin up in the middle of nowhere. Uh And we have had a home service. Usually there are several other families, so we've usually celebrated it in a pretty small confine with some families. This year, however, we're in town, so we will be going to our church for the first time in many, many years, and we're looking forward to it because our church celebrates grace, and our church celebrates the redemption of Christ, and so it's going to be good to be with the saints in the larger body and is uh, the local church we attend. So thank you for asking. I'm excited no, about it. No, I, you know, as I was thinking this through, and obviously <laughs> for many, many people in 2020, it was just so bizarre. Um, yeah. Easter 2021 is shaping up to be a little bit different than 2020. Only 7% of churches had normal in-person services. At the beginning mm. of 2021, 76% of the churches said that they were going to physically gather and uh, but I suspect that there is a mark that's been left by this pandemic on churches and our culture as a whole. What do you think? I would agree with that. And I, I talked to a friend out in Los Angeles. He attends a big church. He said they surveyed their congregation. Forty uh, percent of the people that have quit coming because of COVID, mm-hmm. because they can't, have said that we're um, we're not going to be coming back. We've you know what, uh, wow. for whatever reason, either they're not comfortable doing so, or they just like their Sunday mornings, or they found something else to do. So I, I, the truth is, of course, we have brothers and sisters being persecuted around right. the world. This Sunday, they won't, many of them, millions of them won't be able to go to church, but they can still have the joy of the risen Christ. And uh, may the Lord work in them, and may he work in my heart, so I don't take any of that for granted. 
the privilege we have of being able to attend church. Yeah, I'm glad I can do that. Um, and I intend to do so as I, as I shared with you. Wow. And, uh, in this upcoming year, uh, does focus think that, uh, how, how are you staying true to your own mission in this? I appreciate that. Yeah. We, we have con- candid conversations, um, the various leader te- leadership teams. Jim is very forthright in mm-hmm. saying, you know, uh, the day is coming. We may have to think through. Do we? Do, what do we do? Because we've exhausted all the legal uh, opportunities opportunities we have, and 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 now we've lost in the court of law. So what do we do? Um, you know, I think of Jack the Baker. Jack yes. up in in uh, Northam here. Right. He's in he's in Lakewood and he's probably John Fuller. He's probably listening to this program right at this very moment. We love Jack and we pray for him because God bless him. He is standing up. If he loses, he might lose his business. But I know that his security isn't in his business as much as he's plowed into that emotionally and financially and physically. His his joy and his hope is in a greater place. And as an organization, I think, um, uh, you know, focus on the family. We're not going to back down. We're not going to give in. We're not going to cave. We'll fight what we have to. We'll be kind and loving and, you know, um, respectful of others in the course of doing so if we have to uh, go to court. But, yeah, we're not going to give in. And it's not a time to shrink back. It's a time to stand firm and say, yeah, the God that I say I believe, I trust him. I trust him. And nothing in this world can stop that. Nothing. Well, I know it's an unusual uh, Easter for you this Easter, but I pray that the John Fuller family will experience joy and hope and renewal. Well, thank you. And may all of your listeners continue to just drink in from the book, the truth that you proclaim, and uh, the confidence that they can have in Christ. Thank you, Gino. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, John Fuller. This is Gino Geraci. Go to Focus on thefamily.com. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.